All right, welcome to Project On Topic Retro. This is uh, a working title. It's a project that I'm putting together. Uh, I'm John Cummins. I have with me Jesse Waldeck and Shannon. What is your last name? I don't know that I've... Eno. Eno, yes, Shannon Eno. And uh, we are going to discuss a video game. It won't always be the same group of guys. I'm going to try to rotate some people from the uh, Retrologic Discord, Nintendo Dads, Nintendo Pals, all, all of our family of podcasts to uh, try to just get fresh fresh takes on all the, the retro video games that I want to talk about. Uh, this is a project I've wanted to do for a little while and just haven't had the time and then started doing Retrologic with Dan and things just kind of snowballed from there and kind of put things on the back burner, but finally coming back up and, uh, getting started on this. We'll see how it, how it goes. Uh, tonight's game is going to be dragon quest, the original dragon quest, not the whole series. We would be here for weeks if we tried to tackle the whole series, I think. (laughs) And, uh, I'm going to, uh, let Jesse kind of talk about where he comes from and all the, uh, all the different things he's got going on real quick. Uh, greetings. So thanks for having me. First of all, uh, yeah, my kind of history with Dragon Quest, you know, is I, I imagine I got the original game back when Nintendo Power gave them away. Uh, we'll talk, I think we'll talk more about that in a bit. Uh, but I, I, that playing that and playing Final Fantasy on the NES, I'm like, I, I like these type of games. I want to play more of them. And so I've been a JRPG <laughs> fan. Uh, while I don't like all our JRPGs, obviously, but uh, who does? But uh, but Dragon Quest has been kind of like series that I've always liked. And, you know, in fact, I forgot I forgot about the franchise for a while until I saw 8 came out on the PS2. I'm like, 8, where did the other ones go? And then I <laughs> did research and realized, yeah, they never came out here. So and uh, so over time, I I have beat every mainline Dragon Quest game, minus ten because of reasons. And we'll probably get to that too, uh, at least once. And uh, then I, I when, when you told told me about this uh, podcast project, I immediately uh, fired up my Dragon Quest one on the Switch, which I I never played because I played the Game Boy Color version recently. Uh, two years ago, almost three years ago now, isn't it? Oh wow! I think so. Yeah, it was 2019. Uh, so I so I bought two and three on the Switch and played them, but I never played one. So I played the first one on the Switch for my first time, and then when you said, "Okay, we're ready to record next week," I'm like, "All right, I need to play this game again." So I decided let's play a version I've never played before. So I found the, the an English translation to the Super Famicom port, which never came out in North America. So I'll be able to talk yeah. about some differences between the original game and the Super Famicom port, which is still different than, say, a more modern port like on the Switch or mobile. Yeah, or even the uh, Game Boy Color or, you know, this game is one that's been remade several times, but still want that 2.5 HD remake. Still, Still got fingers crossed that we can get all of them done that way at some point. Right. And Jesse, you've been slowly playing back through the whole series over this last like year or so, right? 
last maybe two years, uh, I think you. Yeah. So yeah, when Dragon Quest Eleven was announced for Switch, you know, I I played the the, the Game Boy Color version of one, and then I and then I played Eleven, and then after that I played two, three. I played five because the movie came out on Netflix. Then I went back to play four, then six, then seven again. I didn't play eight for the second time. And I want to play nine again, and still haven't done that yet. And then... <laughs> yeah, so I've, yeah, I've played every game at least once except for ten. Nice. All right, Shannon, what do, what do you got for us? What are your experiences with uh, Dragon Quest? Yeah, so uh, I also very vividly remember getting it with the Nintendo Power uh, giveaway, basically, when they had just lots of that game sitting around at Nintendo. And uh, so um, just giving it away, basically, with the subscription. So um, and fell in love with it, like, immediately. Um, actually, I have a lot of memories of playing it on a small, like, maybe... 12 or 13 inch black and white television actually (laughs) (laughs) because my uh great my great aunt had given me a small little tv like that size and i had that in my room and it wasn't easy trying to figure out how to connect the nintendo to the back of it uh you know i could use the little like little u-shaped uh adapter thing yeah so that you could hook your rf adapter to that (laughs) that's right exactly uh just just so i could do that and um and i did that uh so that i could continue to play because uh you know obviously being a little bit of a longer game uh i didn't really have the opportunity to play that in the family room so um yeah i played it on a little black and white tv originally uh so um but then just uh i loved it so much i went out and Ended up getting uh, the second one uh, and played through that one. Um, and then uh, never got around to the third one right away. It was always just too expensive. Uh, and it's still really expensive. Yeah, it's, it's a, a game that hasn't that. gone down in price since it launched. No, no not, <laughs> not at all. Um, and so uh, been fortunate to have since gone back and, and done it. Yes, and exactly. Jesse, I Jesse's holding up the Game Boy, a, yeah, Game yeah. Boy Color copy. <laughs> and um, and I did get around to finally playing it on the NES. I was able to rent it some, and uh, and, and uh, then yep. yep, there's three. I got it. Our got three was first. Game Boy Color and stuff, and and uh, now I'm just I now I'm just really excited for the the third one to come out. That that uh, HD, 2D HD, whatever it's called. Um, and uh, I man, that was, that was incredible. Think. Yeah. yeah, looks incredible. But yeah, I've always just kept up with the series, and and I've um, I actually, whereas Final Fantasy and I have kind of parted ways um, after after pretty much ten. Um, this has been something that I've continued to follow, and other than or just like Jesse, other than ten, I played through and beat all the mainline ones. Um, pretty much multiple times i don't know except for 11 11 is the only one i've gone through just the one time so far it's yeah it's i want to <laughs> when i have the time i want to play through 11 again yep. but i want to do a 2d only run oh Ooh, that would be yeah fun. that would be good i love that stuff at the end of that game where i just i did all that 
whatever that tinkle or whatever what the tinker town yeah tinker town the, the tinker town yeah, yeah. I, I don't think i ever beat the final super boss. okay yeah i did yeah. i mean i 100 percent of that i mean i just i love that game i, I, um, I was max level so I, I can't get any stronger it's just strat <laughs> at this point yep <laughs> so but yeah i just uh i love it i love the the feel of them and uh just keep them coming i'll keep playing them yeah i've kind of I mean, not to get too much into the series as a whole, but uh, the new game that's coming out, I kind of worry a little bit that they're going to try to change things too much to try to fit in with modern RPGs. Uh, I'm the same. So yeah. I am worried about it, especially the way they worded things last year. Yeah. It's like, please don't please don't put your Final Fantasy in my Dragon Quest. Like, exactly. they need, That's why we have Final Fantasy. You guys can go explore and change all the, you know, every game, all you want with Final Fantasy, but just... Let Dragon Quest be Dragon Quest, please. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, so, uh, my experiences are a little different than uh, your guys' experience. Uh, I was only four years old whenever the, or three or four years old whenever Dragon Quest released in the United States. So, I did not have a Nintendo Power subscription at that time. Um, so, I got to find out about Dragon Quest. When let's see, it was probably '95. I was uh, just at a buddy's house, and uh, his dad kind of whips this game out and tells us to play it on his old NES. And uh, it was Dragon Quest, and I'd never played anything like it. You know, never had really experienced an RPG. Uh, I had my, I didn't even have an NES at the time. Uh, my cousin had one that. I'm pretty sure we got from a get from like a yard sale. His mom did. It had a big box of games, but Dragon Quest wasn't one of them. We had Zelda and Chippendale Rescue Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Arcade and you know everything else, even Mega Man and some different things. But Dragon Quest was a game that wasn't in that box, and I had zero experience with a you know a true RPG. Uh, so I just I ate it up like I was addicted to it instantly, and I kept going back to this friend's house. You know, I kind of feel bad because I wasn't even going there to, to hang out with him as much anymore. It was like, I'm going to play Dragon Quest because <laughs> it's a lengthy game. You can't just like sit down and play through it, you know, in a in a sleepover, especially when you don't know or, you know, when you're 10 years old and you're trying to figure everything out. It's a little bit more difficult than that. But um, I, I finally got to the point where I asked if I could just borrow it because I finally got an NES at the house and uh I, I borrowed the game and I finally played all the way through it and uh, gave it back. And, and after that, I, I was like, I got to get my own copy of this. It's, you know, it's not enough to just have played through it. I need to actually have it. So I, uh, I can't remember exactly when I got my copy, but it was, it was still a little bit later. I didn't have my own income. So, you know, games come as they come <laughs> when you're a kid. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, no, it's just, it's amazing. The, the draw that Dragon Quest had for me uh, with that first experience and just how much I wanted to go back to it. And I didn't even really get to play any of the later games until much later. Um, kind of like, not necessarily, I mean, Jesse mentioned how there's the gap because a lot of them came uh, to Japan only in the later, you know, after four. Uh, but 
uh, I didn't really have it. I thought it was just a single game. Like I thought Dragon Quest was just a game and there was, you know, that I didn't know that a series existed. So at, you know, some point in time I figured out that the, that there was a whole series and they were all the NES games were already way too expensive for me to get a hold of. So this is where emulation comes into play. And I probably played, I think two and three on my computer and, uh, I don't think it, four might be one that I haven't played all the way through, uh, but then I have all the rest of them on DS and 3DS and going forward. And I played 11, I, like Jesse. Nobody here has probably played 10 because it was an online game that was only in Japan. So, um, still waiting for I that. Real one. hopeful with that. I was real hopeful with the announcement that they were coming out with the offline version for Switch in Japan, but doesn't yeah. seem like it. Yeah, right. and even I was I was excited for it back on my you know before Nintendo Dads. I did a different podcast when I was with VG Tribune called Roundtable, and you know I was I was doing oh Dragon Quest Ten is coming out in Japan. I hope we get an English translation, and yeah, that, that never happened. That was 2010, 2011. Yeah, I mean I think if it would have came out on one of the other platforms, we probably would have got it because the online infrastructure was way better on a xbox 360 or a playstation 3 at the time uh the Wii yeah, but, just but not... about a dozen people in japan owned a 360 exactly and that's you know it japan or uh, dragon quest is a series that follows the highest selling console of that generation you know wherever it goes and you know the Wii are already i mean nintendo itself already suffers from poor online experiences most of the time couldn't imagine trying to play a dragon quest rpg on your wii like a massive multiplayer game in the in the state side you know we already didn't have good internet but internet was already twice as good as you know if not i think that was the only game that did accept without modding an external hard drive to save data yeah you know on the wii yeah because i mean you were they were updating it all the time. I'm sure it had a massive amount of uh, download all the time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But yeah, so I think we've got our experiences out of the way. We'll uh, let's move on and, and talk about the game some. I'm just going to hand out some facts that I've pulled from the internet. Uh, just basic stuff that anybody that knows Dragon Quest would probably already know, but just in case somebody's listening that is a first-timer and hasn't ever experienced Dragon Quest, uh, the game was released on May 26th of 1986 for the Famicom in Japan. Uh, it did not release until 1989 in the U.S. for the NES. Um it's quite a quite a gap there, and uh, we were kind of talking about it a little bit before the show about you know some performance of the Famicom version versus the the NES. You know the in in Japan the Famicom version still used a password system because there was no battery save on the uh, Famicom cartridges mm-hmm. at the time. So we we definitely got the better version of you know the original run of of Dragon Quest mm-hmm. or Dragon Warrior in the United States, and I say Dragon Warrior because. Uh, 
whenever they tried to bring it over, there was some legal pro- problems with using the name Dragon Quest. Apparently there was a tabletop game uh, with the same name over here already using it. So uh, that's that's why the first four games and then some of the subsequent games later that came over, I think was it seven and eight were both Dragon Warrior also. I think uh, on the Japan was the first to say Dragon Quest. Dragon okay. Warrior Seven was still Warrior. Seven was still yeah, Warrior. You know that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and I completely forgot about that PlayStation version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, so, yeah, Seven is the original version of Seven, and yeah, uh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. It was still Dragon Warrior, but Eight was whenever they finally changed it over to uh, Quest in the states. Which I guess that tabletop game had already lost its uh, rights to the the name by then. Maybe died off. I don't know what the story yeah, is. Yeah, they expire. They're not renewed. <laughs> and, and I think the reason why I bought Dragon Quest Eight was because it came with the demo to Final Fantasy Twelve, or is the other way around? I don't remember. Yeah, I mean that's uh, definitely it was, a. It was. They had the demo for for twelve on it. Yeah. For so, Final Fantasy Twelve. Yeah, that's definitely a square thing. Let's uh, put a demo for one of our upcoming games on one of the games that just came out and they just roll with that over and over <laughs> throwing demos out. Um, but yeah, so it, it is a significant amount of time between the J- Japan release and the U S release. And you can definitely tell some differences between the two games. Uh, this game was also developed by Chunsoft, uh, who does dragon quest, Sharon the wanderer and zero escape. Uh, is one of the newer series. Uh, and this was a pre-Spike merger, and they were a developer of Danganronpa. And the game was published by Enix, who gives us act games like Actraiser and Terranigma and Illusion of Gaia and Valkyrie Profile. They're, these are all high, you know, at the time we're getting started in RPGs, and now they're all high-profile players in RPGs over time. Of course, Enix was... Uh, consumed by Square Soft at some point in time in the 90s. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I wish I knew a little bit more about the development of the game. There's not a whole lot out there that's documented that I can tell. Um, but I do know that the uh, game was designed by Yui Horji, or Hori, and just a little bit that I've read that, you know, he kind of wanted to design a game that was available for anyone to play or, you know, approachable for all audiences, he, you know, it, and that's where it gets kind of its simplistic design form for an RPG. It's very, uh, I don't want to say vanilla, but when you look at it in today's, you know, if you look at it in today's terms of an RPG, there's not really a whole lot going on with it, you know, but it does have, a lot of things that kind of got started with uh, the series that continues on throughout the rest of the series. Started with the first game. Uh, the artwork was done by Akiri Toriyama, who is famous for his Dragon Ball series and uh, did artwork for a lot of Square games back then. Um, are you guys... Uh, fans of his artwork or do you guys take it or leave it i know some people are are super fans i like his artwork yeah it's you know especially you know that was one of the things that got caught my attention with chrono trigger 
was, oh, he he drew this. Uh, you know, I never was a Dragon Ball fan. You know, I, I watched a few episodes of the anime back when it was new, and I tried watching it again with, like, Dragon Ball Z, and I'm like, nah, <laughs> yeah. I'll pass on this one. But I still like his artwork. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a take it or leave it type of uh, deal Dragon Ball is. Uh, I do appreciate the artwork. He, he's done so many games now. Um, and it's really neat to see like the more modern versions of games that use his artwork because the games actually have his artwork in it. It's not just the cover art of the box or you know some artwork in the manual. You know, newer stuff, Blue Dragon and you know anything further past that all the dragon quest the 11 and stuff they all used his artwork in game so it's yeah, even like, i think dragon quest swords on for the wii was the first yeah. game where you can really tell this is toriyama art yeah as opposed to just being a sprite based on his art yes and i mean don't get me wrong i like the sprites there, there's something about dragon quest and the sprites uh we had i think we'd all had issues with uh the switch release because it was kind of a, a mix of having the sprites with some of the, uh, the mobile phone <laughs> graphics and things. Yeah. So yeah, the backgrounds use the super Famicom art graphics, which are beautiful, but the, the monster and the player sprites are from the mobile. And yeah, they just that, don't go together very well. They're gonna, yeah. They, they clash. They're gonna, but you know, they're gross in general, but against the nice backgrounds, it's very distinctly gross. It is. Uh, yeah. I think the only, I mean, the only thing that, cause I played the, uh, switch version of this game. And the only thing, you know, that keeps you going is just the gameplay loop. <laughs> you can't, you just kind of have to ignore the, what's going on with the artwork in the backgrounds. Just got to keep playing it. Um, but yeah, so he, he I kind of have to imagine that, uh, because in, in 1986, I don't know what what all uh, Akira Toriyama had already done. You know, I think Dragon Ball had already probably started in 86. Um, so I, I guess it probably would have been easier to get a hold of him to do artwork than it would be, you know, for him to get started later on when he was already pretty popular with his artwork in anime. And, and who knows, that may pushed them together, you know. Sounds like he's, the manga started in '84. Yeah, so for he'd already Dragon Ball. probably picked up a little bit. I'm just trying to think. Like high-profile artists are always a big spend on on games a lot of times. So this, I imagine at this time, you know, maybe he was a uh, an up-and-coming artist that was you know something they grabbed hold of. I believe I I was reading a little about him too, and it sounds like he did a lot. Of, ended up doing a lot of cross work uh so that some of the dragon quest designs would end up in the in the manga and and, uh, and then you know some of his ideas from that would kind of creep into the games as well yeah so but i i mean i think the style the designs of the care of the monsters especially are just i mean just top notch i think i mean it, it everybody loves pokemon and I that's it, that's not the series for me, but but that's okay. And and yet, I think how people feel about the different Pokemon is how I feel about the Dragon Quest monsters. Yeah, right from yeah. the slime and and on and you know so. 
Yeah, the, looks like Toriyama's first manga was was nineteen seventy eight Wonder Island, published in Weekly Shonen Jump. Okay, yeah, so he was like a column artist to start off with, which I mean, it's probably where a lot of those guys got their start at that point in time because magazines were big. Um, not so much anymore, but <laughs> that's a that's a topic for another show: the the death of uh, of printed media. <laughs> And the, the birth of premium printed media. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's the artwork. Um, the music was composed by, uh, I'm probably going to butcher these names. It's uh, Koichi Sujiyama. Uh, and I put a little note in my notes here that he also did the music for uh, EVO, The Search for Eden, or EVO, Search for Eden, which was a uh, another enix rpg uh that came out on the super nintendo it's actually kind of hard to get nowadays i think it's like a 300 dollars loose copy for a super nintendo game uh but it's a game that's all about evolution of it's kind of i don't know if you guys did you guys remember spore when it came out Mm -hmm. it's kind of like spore but at least what 15 or not 15 but uh like 10 years prior <laughs> so you start out as like a Spore little without the phallic monsters yes you start out as like a little single cell organism and work your way up to a, like a fish and then to uh you get on land and and yeah it's but it's a really cool game so that was one of the that kind of jumped out at me that i seen on his uh resume there of things he did because it's a game that i liked a lot when i was a kid um and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the music later on in the the show here but uh definitely very memorable uh you're you're gonna get it blasted at you for every every game in the series going forward uses a lot of the same music i mean it's gotten better over time but uh definitely good stuff uh i already covered a little bit uh, about the name change in the states and let's see so like you guys were saying that you got your copies from Nintendo Power, and that was due to very poor sales at the very whenever the game launched in the U.S. Uh, even though there is large, you know, advancements to the NES copy, it was still came out like around the time where RPGs were starting to advance a little bit more, and I think some people had a hard time grasping how simple Dragon Quest was. You know, it wasn't enough for them. Is kind of my take on whenever I, I see that happening, which resulted in all these unsold copies hanging around the warehouses in uh, Nintendo took publishing rights for the game in the U S. So I'm sure they had them all just hanging out. So that's how you guys got your copies from Nintendo power. You got to get rid of them somehow. <laughs> it worked. Yep. And yeah, because the quote-unquote Americans don't understand RPGs, this is why we have Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. <laughs> yes, you know, and, which is probably a topic for another show. It, right? Yes, it could. We could definitely do another show on Mystic Quest, and if if you want to come back for that one, Jesse, I'll bring you back. <laughs> I'll play it again. <laughs> but in, I mean, I I wasn't. I was alive, but I wasn't in a old enough to really comprehend the, these kinds of things. Uh, this RPG blew me away and I didn't play it until five years after it released, you know, four or five years. So the simplicity didn't bother me any, but I could see that if you were like a hardcore RPG gamer at that time, 
and you were because that what Final Fantasy had already came out. Um, I'm sure there were several other NES RPGs that are you know, uh, Xanadu and and some other stuff uh, had come out that probably had totally different, more modern for the time gameplay over Dragon Quest because Dragon Quest is very again very simple game loop. Um, but yeah, I mean. I wouldn't complain too much. You guys got free copies of the game from Nintendo Power, so. <laughs> I still had the copy. Works in your favor. <laughs> I yeah. I have mine. I still have mine, thank goodness. But so um, I don't know what happened. It's kind of a very expensive game anyway. Even, no, it's even definitely now. the cheapest one out of the, the whole lot. Um, now, when you got your copy, did it actually come in like the retail box or, or was it packaged differently or how did that work? Mine was in the retail box. In the retail box? Mm hmm. I don't remember, but probably was the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So that was a little bit about just the overall or overview of the game uh, from its development on to some different facts about it. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about the story a little bit. Uh, Dragon Quest One is part of a trilogy of games that... Uh, are basically the uh, Edric trilogy or Lodo in Japan. Um, it's kind of funny how we didn't get that, uh, you know, same name and, and some of that stuff didn't come over with it. But I guess we're always changing things over here. <laughs> and even there, and he, there's still like a confusion about whether it's meant to be Roto or Loto. Yeah. Because just of how the Japanese just doesn't, doesn't have an L or an R sound, but it has something in the middle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, with a lot of those translations, you always, you never know which, you know, they'll pick or choose which one they're going to go with whenever they, they bring that over. Uh, but in this case, and that, and that might be why we have a totally different name for our, uh, uh, character in <clears throat> a name, a name we can't even, uh, fit into the, to the box. Yes. To name character that. Yes. So, right. Yeah, Lodo will fit is, in the box, but the character we get right. will not. <laughs> Which is why the game, the Game Boy version, you're limited to four bytes, so its default name is Lodo. Yeah, yeah. that that is definitely, uh, you know, limitations at its best. <laughs> and and I figured that uh, since we're we're here and we're discussing it, we could talk a little bit about the story. It doesn't have like a. Uh, a groundbreaking, uh, even for the time, a groundbreaking story. There's not a whole lot there, but um, I do enjoy the the story of Dragon Quest and just you know <clears throat> how simple it is, and you know the fact that you don't even really have to save the princess in the game to beat the game. You can just say, yeah. "Nah, don't I need her." I was talking to <laughs> I was talking about this with my son last night, and I said, "Yeah, th this game has your your." You're given the mission up front, and if there's one side quest that if you don't want to do, you don't have to. And that's it. That's the game. Yeah. That's... And the king doesn't even seem to care if you don't rescue his daughter. Yeah, there's... It doesn't actually say anything. If yeah, there's no... Don't. Yeah, no alternate dialogue or, or anything. You know, there's alternate dialogue for other things that you choose to do right. in, the, in the game, but eh, if you don't go get his daughter, yeah. he doesn't care. <laughs> You save so, the world anyway. Somebody else can go get her. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I just kind of pulled the the top view of the story from Wikipedia really quick. 
and I'm just going to run through it really fast. But the story's background begins, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher some of these because uh, they don't speak them. There's no spoken uh, words in it. But the kingdom of, was it, Aelfgard was shrouded in a permanent darkness, yeah. and the brave wor- warrior, Erdrick, defend- defeated the evil creature and restored light to the land. Uh, and this is like the backstory of the game that kind of builds up to where you're, where you're starting at. And, uh, in, in Erdrick's possession uh, was the ball of light, which he used to drive away enemies who threatened the kingdom. And he handed the ball of light to the King Lorik, and, uh, Elfgard remained peaceful for a long time. And then the ball of light kept winter short in Elfgard and helped maintain peace and prosperity for the region. However, there is one man who shunned the ball of light's radiance and secluded himself into a mountain cave. And one day exploring the cave's extensive network of tunnels, the man encountered a sleeping dragon who awoke upon his entrance. He feared the dragon and would incarnate or incinerate him with a fiery breath, but the dragon instead knelt before him and obeyed his commands. This man, who was later discovered to be a dragon, became known as the Dragon Lord. And one day after his soul became corrupted by learning magic, the dragon lord attacked uh, Tangil Castle in nearby town of uh, Breconary uh, with his fleet of dragons and set the town on fire, riding a large red dragon. <clears throat> the dragon lord descended upon the Tangil Castle and stole the ball of light. Soon monsters began to appear throughout the land, destroying everything in their path, and much of the land became uh, poisonous marshes and at least uh, one destroyed town never re- recovered and remains in ruins. And the following day, Edric Erdrick arrived at uh, Tangil Castle to speak with King Lorik and offered up his help to defeat the Dragon Lord. After searching the land for clues to the Dragon Lord's location, uh, Erdrick found that the Dragon Lord lived on an island that could be uh, accessed only via a magical bridge that only a rainbow drop could generate. After venturing to the island, Erdrick disappeared, and then many years later, during King Lorik the 16th's reign, the Dragon Lord attacked the kingdom again and captured Princess uh, Gwalin. Is that how do you... Is that how you guys... Probably would... how I've said it. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And uh, many heroes tried and failed to rescue the princess, and recover the ball of light from the Dragon Lord's castle called uh, Sherlock. The prophet uh, Maeda predicted that one day a descendant of the valiant Erdricks shall come forth to defeat the Dragon Lord. However, when the descendant arrives as the game's hero, many people of Elfgard have forgotten the story of Erdrick, and those who do remember consider it a myth and do not believe in Maeda's prophecy. So King Lorik starts to mourn the decline of his kingdom. So that's kind of the backstory of what's going on in the game. That's that's how we get the Dragon Lord. That's how uh, we learn about the basically the the power of the Ball of Light. You know, and, and part of the quest that we're we're doing in the game to kind of regain all these things. Yeah, one thing I liked about the how the game starts is when you leave the castle for the first time. Like, you, you see where you are, and you see your destination. It's just right across the water. Yep. It's just, how do you get there? Yeah. How do you go? Yep. <laughs> and, I mean, that's the, that's the thing, playing this game as a kid and 
stepping outside the castle and immediately getting attacked. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? And, you know, it took a long time for me to realize that I can't just go out and fight and fight and fight and fight. And you got to keep going back, getting healed, gain levels. Uh, these, these things just as a, you know, young kid, it just baffled me at the time. Like I wanted to just, you know, this wasn't Contra or some other game that you can just power through and, and, you know, bend it to your will (laughs) with skill. You literally have to go through the steps. You have to gain levels. You have to do, (laughs) do all these things in order to progress. So it's a little bit of a, of a learning curve for me when I first started playing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, as I said, the story is not anything groundbreaking, but it's it's kind of just neat to sit back and, and uh, read about the descendants of Erdrich and, and going forward through the whole game series. You know, you just kind of they kind of tie it together in certain ways, not completely, but there's always something that kind of trickles on down. And uh, I've always found that just really neat that there's not too many game series that do that. You know, Final Fantasy always every game is a new story. They kind of loosely tie some things together, but they try to make it its own entry the best they can. I think uh, that's one of the things, the special things about, especially that original trilogy, you know, because who just kind of, I mean, it takes place, what, 100 or so years later, Yep. right? But you still, within that game, you end up um, making it back to the continent of the original game. And so you still get to retread that familiar area, um, but you have, and you have a boat by then, so you can right. just go. Yeah, one exactly. The other. Uh, exactly. And then uh, three, you know, with that kind of prequel thing and, and getting to replay even a larger area, but um, also again revisiting that original game basically in kind of a new way. Um, and and I uh, just that it just blew my mind at the time, you know, as I, as I was a lot younger. But um, how games can tie together like that. So I, I just thought the lore was fascinating too. Yeah, I mean, it. You know, as a kid, I'm thinking, why isn't there like a cartoon series for this? Like, I'd love to see something animated that would just totally take off with it and, and explain it and fulfill it. You know, to uh, oh, what they do with I, everything else. There, there apparently was a cartoon series, and there's an English a dub of it. Um, there's even, yeah, an English dub, and it, it's just called Dragon Quest, but uh, I can't figure out. I haven't really watched it. I just I discovered it across YouTube, um, I don't know, like a year or so ago, and I watched part of an episode and just never got back to it. But uh, I don't know that it actually ties in to any of the existing <laughs> games. Of course. <laughs> That's how... <laughs> Yeah, like I, I could you know, the, be the, wrong, but I didn't think it. I didn't think it. Yeah, did. I don't remember when they originally aired, but there was one called uh, Dragon Quest: The Adventures of Dai that only w- went for like one season, so the story went incomplete. Uh, and then it got remade, I think, starting in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen, and uh, it, it's still ongoing every week. The story is almost done, but uh, it's, it's like. 80 or so episodes in, but I've been watching that every week. They come out every Saturday. Huh. Yeah, I haven't watched. I watched the movie that was the story for five. Um, and it was really right. good. So good movie, bad ending. Yeah, the ending was 
a little left to yeah, be desired. Was, yeah. <laughs> um, so the there was a Dragon Warrior cartoon that ran for one season, yeah, from 89 to 91. Um, but it, I'm trying to see if it really actually connects at all. It just says a young adventurer yeah. and his friends set out to resurrect the dragon of legend and defeat the evil Baramos. <laughs> well, I think Baramos is in a game, but yeah, yeah. If the, the, the die, the adventures of die, that's not related to any game, but all the common threads are that you see in the games are in here too. Yeah. In fact, there's one of the episodes early on, you see two monsters that are the same. They actually have A and B on, on them. Because whenever, you, when starting with the second game, when you're fighting more than one of the same monster, it says, "Oh, you slime A and slime B." Right. That's how <laughs> that's, that's how it differentiates each one. That's kind of fun. Yeah, that's. Was it? Did you say that was in? Was the Dragon Warrior cartoon or Quest? Was it over in Japan or was it here locally? The one I said. Yeah. I, there's an English dub because I was watching it on here. I'm looking. It just says Dragon Warrior. Um, I think it probably just came out here in... Uh, it says only the first 13 episodes were adapted into English. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm guessing it probably came over uh, maybe in like a DVD box set or yeah, something or along VHS. the VHS. VHS, yeah. Two episodes at a time. <laughs> something. Right. <Yep. laughs> Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to get back to that someday and see if it actually does end up following, you know, towards uh, somewhere in that trilogy, that first original trilogy. Yeah, that, I'll have to check it out. I didn't know the thing existed. I just, I know that as a kid, I wanted a Dragon Quest cartoon. Like, every, everything else has cartoons. Ninja Turtles has cartoons. <laughs> you know, there's all these cartoons that... Uh, sell the toys give me dragon quest toys i mean i wanted all this stuff um <clears throat> so that's the backstory of the game when the game starts as as jesse just told us you arrive at a a castle and you you know uh you get told that the dragon has captured the princess and he's holding her caught hot captive in a distant cave and you know it's your goal to go rescue the the princess as far as you know <laughs> yes squishy slime and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like we, we said, that's, the game treats that as, like, a side quest. You're told about it. You you can do it. You don't have to do it. Um, it's totally I mean, if you. you if you're doing the game blind, you, you really need to because she gives you the coordinate, the way to, to yes. find the, to find your, um, whatever the it's called. Seal. That, yeah, yeah, the, the seal. seal that you can get what you need to beat the game, you know, to get the rainbow bridge. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, but if you, if you know where to find it, yep. you, it's completely optional. Well, the Switch game just tells you where it is. Yeah, exactly. If you play yeah. the newer version, yeah, it just tells you, it's like, here it is. Um, but yeah, so you're, uh, also part of the story. You, you discovered that, uh, the dragon Lord is the one behind taking the princess and, uh, you discover the ancient tablet that's hidden inside the cave and carved on the tablet is a message from uh, Erdrich that outlines what the hero needs to do 
in order to defeat the Dragon Lord. So this is your basically checklist of all the things you gotta to get to to get there, <laughs> which is a random th set of items. I mean, uh, they're definitely not things you're gonna find in your cabinet at your house, right? <laughs> <laughs> even even for a fantasy game, there's <laughs> there's gotta gotta use the uh, like you said the seal to. Uh, get to the bridge and it's all just crazy stuff from there. Like whoever, uh, you know, put up, put this stuff together. It, it just cracks me up whenever I'm playing it. Gotta, gotta do the rainbow bridge. But, uh, yeah. So you, you get your list, you're on your way. Uh, you know, got to collect your series of relics to create the bridge so that you can reach, uh, Charlock and get to the castle. Uh, when you finally confront the Dragon Lord, at this point the hero is given a choice whether to side with the Dragon Lord or challenge him. Did you, uh, when you guys played this as a kid, did you guys uh, play through it twice to try both options, or did you? I don't think I ever did. I, uh, I did eventually, just to see what would happen. I thought, well, it's just a reset away, and you know. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, it, yeah, but it, not right away because you know I always play the good side. Yeah, I do but, too. Uh, one time, eventually, <laughs> I just hit my curiosity got the better of me, and I I thought maybe it would just put you in a loop, like oh you you know. You sure uh, you want to do this? Of, you sure you want to you <laughs> yeah. want to do that? Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of a funny thing. They actually programmed an actual ending. But yeah, it says if you. Uh... I haven't actually done this. I think I've always picked the option to uh, just fight him right off the bat without even thinking about it. Uh, but it says if a player chooses the former, the game ends, the hero's put to sleep, and the game freezes. <laughs> I haven't I haven't witnessed it. I'll take their word for it. You're just going to sit there uh, long enough till you're like, all right, reset. <laughs> yep. Uh, it says, however, though, in the uh, Game Boy Color remake, the hero instead wakes up from a bad dream. So they kind of like change it a little bit. Um, yeah, so it doesn't soft lock you. Yeah, it doesn't soft lock you. It gives you, a, it's, it's kind of like a Link's Awakening deal. You know, this is all just a dream. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, a little fun fact the uh, the game Dragon Quest Builders is answers the question what happens if the hero says yes? Like an alternate history. Yeah, I haven't yes. played all the way through that. I think I played the demo. I have it. But I played through the demo, and then I never did go back to the game after I bought it. It's one of those that are on my backlog, so I'll definitely have to play it to find out the alternate universe of Dragon Quest. <laughs> See what happens. Um, now I'm wondering if there's going to be a Builders Three based on Dragon Quest Three. That would be cool. Yeah. I do have both, and I need to play them. I just have to have more time. <laughs> so always that factor. Yes, there is. Um, if you choose to fight, you just commence the fight and uh, you better be ready because it's a step up from what you're used to from the rest of the <laughs> the enemies that you're fighting in the game. Um, and then once the hero defeats the Dragon Lord, you reclaims the Ball of Light, eradicating all the monsters. Uh, he returns to the castle and the king offers him reward and you are then uh, kind of faced with another uh, choice like do you want to 
take over the kingdom or do you want, you know, do you not want it? And, uh, I don't think the player has that choice. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, that's the way they kind of, but, but that's the way they kind but, of spin it. You don't get a di- dialogue choice, but you kind of like, you get asked that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You are offered the kingdom and you decline it gracefully. Yes. And you are accompanied by the princess and you set off like, I mean, I wonder, you know, it's something that I don't, since I, I don't know that I've ever beat the game without saving the princess, but if you don't save the princess, does she still accompany you out? No. <laughs> oh, so you they actually, yeah. Cause I, I saw that. I watched a speed run that someone linked in the discord last week and you know, at the time save, he didn't save the princess and now the princess wasn't there. So it completely skipped the princess side of the conversation. And as soon as you say, I don't want the kingdom, I will, I'll head up on my own. You leave and, well, credits roll. Nice. Yeah, I didn't even yep. hadn't even thought about that until right now. Like, does the game actually know if thing, you don't save the princess? <laughs> one thing I thought of while we were doing the intro is, what happens if you don't save the princess? Beat the you know beat the dragon lord. At that point, monsters are gone. Then you can you go get the princess now without the green dragon there? Yeah, and just save the princess without doing anything. Well, I wonder if wow. it, I wonder if it, can, I, I wonder if it considers the dragon a, because it eliminates all the random encounters out of the, uh, the, uh, overhead area. Right. I don't know if it eliminates the dragon out of the cave. Right. That's something I, I might, if I remember next time I play this game, I'll try that. Yeah, I'll definitely. I'll have to ask you about that whenever you get to it, because. Yeah, that is a definitely an interesting uh, thought. That if, because like I said, I don't. The dragon's not it's, a random encounter. You know, he's a, he's a, he's there. <laughs> it's kind of an odd ending, anyway. The fact that you, you get that far, you beat him, and then the game expects you to walk back. Yeah, you have to walk back to the castle. The <laughs> like it doesn't just like just teleport you like, there. Or... And also well, you, you can, can still you can still zoom back or you return. Zoom, return yeah. yeah, you can use the wings, the the wiring rings, but but um, if you don't have any, yeah, you gotta walk back. Oh, you can use a spell. Yeah, you can use a spell too. Presuming uh, presuming you have presuming the MP you have that MP still, right? Is what I mean. It, but you have to get back. I guess is what I mean. Like you, it just doesn't drop you there. It expects you to go back. That, that right. is different from what usually happens usually like things kind of get automated after you've beaten the final boss um, so one thing i like about the end sequence is everything that was swamp becomes a flowery field yes i i'm trying to remember though if that is just uh that was that in the original or was that in the was that a change for the super famicom because i don't remember that i don't remember the swamp i like been so long since I beat that original version. Yeah, I was trying to think of that too. I know it happens on the Switch version, which is the mix of mobile right. and Super Famicom. I'm probably gonna have to rewatch that speed run and see how it ends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Though of course he does uh, zoom, uh, zoom back, so he may not see it very fast. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so the end of the game is a little bit different. You know, you kind of he declines taking the kingdom from the king and, and sets out on his own. He wants to start his own kingdom. And then this sets the stage for the events of Dragon Warrior 2, 
which will take place many years later and tells the story of three of the heroes' descendants. So uh, we're not going to go into that here because this isn't the show on Dragon Quest II. We'll have to do that at another point in time. Uh, The Super Famicom version of one comes with two packed in, just like the the Game Boy version does. So if I do want, when I am ready to replay two, I'm going to play that version. Yes. Again, as opposed to the Switch version. Pick your brain on that too, because I haven't played the Super Famicom version of either one of them. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of differences. Let's see. And then from here, uh, we will move on to gameplay. I just put some random thoughts together on here for myself, but you know, the game just is a very simple JRPG formula. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's kind of the founder of console JRPG uh, with a lot of things. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if random encounters were like a really big deal before Dragon Quest. Like, I can't think of any games that were, doing it before that but there possibly could be i don't i don't remember if ultima did i can't yeah that's what i was when i can think of and i don't remember either um i mean turn-based combat's always been a part of rpgs for the most part um as you know jokingly put you fight dragons save a princess it's got all the elements of a a good rpg story (laughs) yeah from early on um I, I think what works so well for it is its charm though it, its simplicity and charm actually works in its favor i think because it's it's not a systems heavy menu heavy yep. uh you know trying to figure out trying to min max all your stats and i mean I mean, some of the newer games, and, and I think some of the remakes of these have the seeds and stuff, so you can do that if you really want to farm those kinds of things. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Super if you want to farm version points, adds the seeds too. Right. The only way to farm points or stats in the the original is to uh, is by figuring out the right combination of letters to put for the first three letters of your name, because that affects your the RNG for your stamp build, um, apparently depending on what letters you use. Hmm. But other than that, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's so easy to understand. You know, you can, you can, I mean, other than being able to learn or, you know, read enough to know what's going on, there really isn't a high level of, um, of uh, knowledge needed to go in and just play a Dragon Quest game. No. And, And like I mentioned earlier in the show, the, uh, you know, the designer of the game wanted this to be an approachable game for everybody. He didn't want it to be locked behind uh, skill level or, uh, like you said, being able to forage through menus. <laughs> that's that's kind of what RPGs have, have come to nowadays. You spend more time in a, a menu somewhere, a menu screen, than you do actually doing things out in a, a battlefield or, you know, your open area. <laughs> I got to sort all my things around and, and do all these things. Um, 
But I mean, what what sticks out to you guys the most about the uh, the gameplay? Like, is it the the monsters or uh, you know, just think back to that time when you first played it? You know, did you, have you ever had had you ever experienced anything like the gameplay in Dragon Quest? I remember, like when, so before these this game came out, I was like middle school or so. I had a neighbor kid friend who we uh, taught me Dungeons and Dragons, so I played Dungeons and Dragons quite a bit for that for that summer. So when I found like games like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, I, I you know I'm I'm a big math and statistics guy in my head, so I'm like these games are like that. But I don't have to roll the dice. The computer rolls the dice for me. I yep. like this. <laughs> so that's kind of why I kind of started, you know, get it, got getting into the genre. So, but yeah, the I think it's just the monster designs and like the first thing you see is the slime. It's like okay, that's cute. Yeah. And you know, while this game only has three varieties of slimes, you know, they, there's three dozen for different versions of slimes now. Oh yeah. And you can't forget the first time you uh, attempt a metal slime and it runs away. Yes, I mean when you start. Every run, you yeah. See it. <laughs> what would you like? The do you guys remember the first time you killed one and you and you realized what the metal slime was? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're yeah. like, holy smokes! I just gained five levels. <laughs> well, and that's just it. You know, like you you just just uh, <clears throat> just you wanted to kill it so bad because you'd run across one and then it would run away so quickly. You're like, if I could just beat this thing, like, I just gotta, I just gotta see what, like, you know, and, uh, becomes like a, a quest in and of itself. And then when you do, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, that's, I want more of those. Yeah. And I mean, we see the dragon or the, the metal slime, you know, different variants of the metal slime in later games. And you also see other versions of, you know, a metal slime type character in other RPGs there, you know, it's, it's utilized a lot. Now you have the unicorn monster that gives out, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to, to kill it, but it gives out the multi, you know, crazy experience. Um, I, there, there's one in Octopath Traveler, uh, that when you fight it, it's the same way. It runs all the time, has uh, very high defense, low hit points, and just showers you with the experience whenever you actually take one out. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's an, another example of the Dragon Quest kind of starting things for RPGs and, and carrying them on through the, the series and other, uh, series adopting them. Kind of have the same experience the first time you kill a gold man or a gold or gold golem. Yeah. And get all the gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you only get six experience, but you get like 600 gold. Yep. Yep. And, and I, um, they're pretty close together, like, whenever you uh, learn about them, you know, in the game. The, yeah. It, the, it's just different sides of the map, but they're, they're about the same same distance south. Yep. The uh, gameplay loop is what really hooked me. I There's just something about um, you go out and you just start walking back and forth and finding, I mean, it's what we all do when you, when you play through this game. And you um, level up enough to buy a little bit of equipment, and then you go to a new area or town, and you level up 
there uh, with the monsters around there, get some equipment, go to the next town, and you just kind of start that process over and over again. Um, especially in this game where you can't save anywhere but your starting castle. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting gameplay loop, but I was, it just like, it just sucked me in, uh, from the first time I played it. And I still today, I don't mind that, that grind, you know, yeah. of, of going to a new area, getting stronger, uh, until the monsters there aren't just killing you and buying whatever new equipment you need. And then just, you know, doing whatever, quests are around that area and then you go to the next area it's something that i appreciate in dragon quest games although the most modern ones really don't need that quite that level of grinding anymore but uh it's just it's just something satisfying to me in an rpg when i get to do that yeah it's a it's giving you that sense of accomplishment very early on and uh you know as a kid i wasn't the most skillful gamer you know there was lots of games that i probably only seen the first or second level in um on nes you know that probably goes for a lot of people but this is a game that yeah exactly battletoads everyone's seen at least the first three levels of battletoads not very many people have seen any after that (laughs) (laughs) but but this is a game that uh kind of wipes that away you don't have to have skill and that's what kind of drew me to it is you know this is a game that i can play to finish and all it takes is time. You know, I just have to invest. Time and patience. Yes. And uh, that's there's just something magical about that. You know, it, it's it was one of the the first games that I can remember, like just sitting down and beating all the way through. Uh, even games like uh, The Legend of Zelda have their skill level to that. You have to be able to, you know, navigate and and do and fight and and things. This game is not like that at all. You know, as long as you kind of hang out with it, learn it, you're you're going to be fine. <laughs> We're not even going to get into Zelda Two because that's a again that's a whole nother show. <laughs> <laughs> I probably I don't know how much of Zelda Two I've seen, but it's not very much. I'll tell you that it's one of the only Zelda games I haven't beaten still. All right, so that's uh, that's gameplay. You guys, everything you want to add to gameplay before we move on i think sometimes you know it gets you the random encounters do kind of get kind of a bad rap because they they do seem frequent um except for when you really want one then all of a sudden you feel like you're walking yeah forever walking forever you, yeah <laughs> I, I i think they're pretty for the most part they're pretty balanced this I game. Think, yeah. they, I, they I ruin the balance so. in the second game <laughs> And then they kind of yeah. fix it in the third. Um, but, but you know, I mean, for its time, I I thought, you know, it, it worked well, um, that mechanic of, of having those random encounters. And I didn't, I never thought it was, it was over the top at all. Um, but I know that sometimes that kind of gets a bad rap uh, with people, especially in the older, the older ones. Yeah. I mean, random encounters used to take up, more of the game because there was you know less story and things you could fit on the game so you had to fill the time with something and as we progress with rpgs random encounters are less and less and then you know now you have a final fantasy type game that doesn't have them at all you just you know 
They just are yeah, not like existent. I, I play through, I think I can, I play through it in about eight hours or so. Yeah. But probably six hours of it is grinding. Yeah. And two hours of it is, is important story. Right. Well, like we said, there's, uh, you leave the castle, you, you basically only have one goal at that time. And once you achieve that goal, you get a checklist of a few things you have to go pick up. And then after that, you're done. Like <laughs> there's, there's yeah, nothing it, else to it. And there really isn't, when you think about it, there's not, it's not like there's a bunch of caves to explore. I mean, there's just a few things, but they're really kind of on the way. There's no, there's no dungeons. There's no, you know, tradi- uh, traditional, anything like that. Just a few caves and um, the, the ending castle. So, and, and one, and, one town. And, and that's, and nothing's really optional. If there's a cave there, there's a reason why right. it's there. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, yep. and everything is, it's not so linear that you, when you first start playing, you know exactly where to go. But as you play the game and you get through it, and you, like if you go back to it and you look at it and kind of dissect it, there's a clear path that you're going to go through every time. Like you're, you're not going to get lost if you keep with it it's not it's not like a metroidvania where you're going to beat your head against the wall because you don't have the upgrade you, you need yet to move right. on if you kind of just kind of look around the map you're going to eventually figure out how to get to the next area that you need to be at and if you go too far you get punished by a, a monster that's going to just eat your lunch and then you know anytime well i don't probably don't need to be here <laughs> yeah oh look at that a white knight dead <laughs> yeah <Yep. laughs> which was i mean we didn't really talk about it, but just the idea that each area you kind of know when you're about to hit a lot stronger enemies if you cross a bridge yep you know you kind of figure that out anytime you cross a bridge wow the enemies really jump up here and and uh, i'm not ready for this area and i'll kind of backtrack and go put your tail between your legs and go back to the the weaker monsters Mm -hmm. yeah like that happened like the first time i i tried going to the the old man that wants the fairy flute uh, I found a skeleton, and I'm like, run away! Yep, this guy's gonna just take me out in a hit. <laughs> uh, well, I think we've we've hit a pretty good amount of the gameplay. Um, we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about the music. music is not necessarily as important in this game but you can definitely tell the uh you know if you're somebody that's played through the series how important the you know just even the little bit of music that's in the first game is to the series because it kind of just evolves and and uh builds on what was created for the first game um from the victory music to uh opening a uh chest or getting an item you know you could tell there's there was a lot of love with that uh putting that together and it just carries on through the whole series and you just kind of hear it yeah, the first time i the, the first time i boot up a, a, a dragon quest game for the first time in a while I, I have to let it sit through the attract mode and listen to that song yes because yeah. it's just iconic and gives me shivers whenever i hear, hear it every time 
Yeah, it's kind of like the Zelda theme song, you know, you just, when you hear it, it's just that, it's got that kind of epic, almost kind of feel to it, and, and, um, and my understanding is he had to write it in a, in pretty big, like, got it out yeah. pretty quickly. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, and yet it, it's just become so iconic, and like just said, the first time you boot it up, uh, in any one of the games, you just gotta let you gotta let it ride. You gotta you gotta hear it. You know, and, and after a certain uh, point in the series, you know, it all moved to orchestral, and it just makes it even better. Like it's it's amazing oh. listening to this. Like listening to the soundtrack of Eleven with all the with actually oh. the orchestral music is amazing. It's just you know something to do whenever you're. Uh, working and you need something in the background you can just kind of throw it on there and take it all in <laughs> but uh yeah music's a very big part of dragon quest and you know even down to sound effects a lot of the sound effects have stayed the same throughout the the years just upgraded ever so slightly to sound a little better or you know left their 8-bit sound to a more digital sound it, but stays the you, same you go go to a set of stairs in dragon Quest nine it still goes boop, 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 boop. yep <laughs> Yep, you'll, you'll, uh, you played one. You you've heard all the sounds, and that's, you know, again, it's, it's kind of how we. It's the same with the story. They just keep building on it, but a lot of it is the, uh, the same thing that you've known and loved, and and I think that's what drives people that love Dragon Quest to go to the next entry, and that they don't want it to change, you know, all so much. You want a new story. You want, uh. The graphics can get better, but you know, don't change my gameplay and don't don't change my music. You know, if they come out today and Twelve has like a, a, a grunge rock soundtrack. Every, you know, the people are gonna throw it away. They're you know they're not even gonna play the game. They fired it up <laughs> and that music's not there. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any other things you can think of with the music or any? Uh, I don't know, situations where you've thought about the music, <laughs> even when you're not playing the game. I know it'll just get in my head. If I've been playing any one of the games, uh, I'll be humming for a while. Yeah. Uh, the battle <laughs> themes and everything, you know, it just kind of go through my head. Um, but yeah, I think you, you pretty much said it all. Awesome. Yep. Uh, uh, Jesse has been playing the, super famicom port of the of the game so uh he's going to kind of run through some of the differences that he's found uh between the super famicom and the nes yeah so uh found uh, this bulleted list on a on a, a website and i'll also throw in some of the other things i thought of so the, the hero is able to carry multiple weapons and armor items previously only one of each type could be held so if you buy a new sword it instantly sells the old one Yep. way where which is is handy but especially if you find a new weapon like in a chest but it still you're still inventory restricted so now you're just taking a slot up do you that uh do you know if the the second game was like that originally as well i don't remember what the original version was to how how that happened you know, i at least once you found your other two people in your party, you could 
trade that's, items. Back that's what and forth. I was gonna say. Like I could see where that would be a hindrance if in the second game where you have other party members, if you just pick something up and it automatically sold it, you could have handed it off to somebody else. Yeah, I don't think yeah, it's I... a required sell by the time the second one came out, but it's been even longer since I played that one on original right. uh, hardware. So other changes, the, the the overall scale of dungeons are increased. So, you know, normally Famicom had small, equally sized tiles. The tiles yep. are a little bit bigger, not always uniform. Sometimes you get a door that's like two and a half by two and a half pixels or sprites long. You know, so they vary. Uh, Craggy Cave is greatly redesigned. The experience needed to gain levels is decreased. And the experience and golds given by monsters is increased. Oh wow! Which yeah, you know, double so, Which is why the like yeah, the Super Famicom and Switch version I was able to play the game in eight hours. Probably can't play it that fast on the NES. No, I was going to say whenever I played back through the Switch version, uh, I think I was like a seven or eight hour playtime as well. And I'm like, man, when I was a kid, this game took me a lot longer to play through than seven or eight hours. Right. And. The dragon guarding the princess is given an on-screen sprite. Shrines are given world map sprites rather than simply a staircase sprite. Shrines are given a, given a, a unique soundtrack, the same music which is used for shrines in Dragon Quest II. The Lyre of Ire will summon any enemy in the, in the area when used, as opposed to the NES version, which would only summon monsters from around Tantagal or the Mountain Cave. Eredric's tablet is now a tombstone that appears in place of the, the chest containing it. Hmm. And the music for De, uh, Demdara was changed from the dungeon theme to the Requiem from Dragon Quest II. So other things that are changed. I think the NES version, you have, I think, like eight options. Uh, like if you want to talk to someone, you have to specifically say talk. If yep. you want to go go up or down stairs you have to actually say stairs yep and there's a search and take items that are do do slightly different things they 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 took away the stairs you just walk over the stairs and you go up and down as as you should and they took away (laughs) take uh so it so instead you you can do search to open a chest the same as you do search to find the flute and to find erdrick's uh yeah, rune, which makes sense. But that most of the game, you know, other than that, is still the same. You know, you know, like like the Switch version and other versions, uh, pretty much is is context sensitive. You don't have to choose awkwardly anything. If you're near someone, you'll talk to them. If you're on a space with a, with an item, you'll pick it up. Yep. So it's uh, they they still streamlined it in later versions. This one is still kind of like the Mark II of Dragon Quest. Yeah, if they would have if they would have kept all of the uh, uh, sprite work and everything from the Super Famicom version and just made all those uh, quality of life improvements to the Switch version, it would be like the uh, basically the definitive. Like everyone would probably be fine with it. But the going... pixel remaster, you might say. Yes, which. <laughs> I have to I have to uh really hope that at some point we get a pixel remaster series for Dragon Quest. Uh they can't just give it to Final Fantasy. They have to they have to show Dragon Quest some love too, right? 
Well, I'd, I'd rather almost, I mean, pixel remaster would be great, but um, if you're going to do three in the 2D HD, let's get them all done that way. Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit more of an ask. I know, let's do five. I, I, I think we will get, I think if, if we are to get another one, I mean, three is a pretty big landmark in the series, uh, as is five. So I think... If we already get another one, it will probably be five. I'd be okay with that too. Uh, the, give I mean, me all the, the <laughs> yeah, because of the trilogy, number three is like Japan's favorite, and they also like five. And and I say a lot of the, a lot of these these pushes are are due to them wanting things. Uh, Dragon Quest is still a minor series in the U.S. a lot of times. I still say nine deserves a remake. It has only yeah. had the one the one release. Yeah, it's never been rerun anywhere. And yeah. and part of that game is just not even functional in the traditional way. Yeah, the know? online system is not online anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it, there are alternate solutions to that problem, but none none endorsed by Square Enix. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're not going to endorse those here either. But if you want to search and find them they're they're out there because i've seen some stuff that you've done jesse yeah, to... i actually have my ds yeah. configured to do that whenever i get around to playing it it's just uh i haven't gotten around to playing it yeah it's i don't know that i could go back and play it now with without that though because i mean it's a pretty good it's not like it's not like in-game content or uh you know an afterthought like it was a, a pretty good portion of the game like that utilizes it so it'd be kind of hard to to go back um, yeah yeah no that was that was pretty awesome there is quite a few differences between the uh, Super Famicom port and the original that I didn't realize were changes um, I probably noticed some of them while playing the Switch port but uh, it's been so long since I played the original I'd almost need to go back and play it to get a, a baseline of what was originally there um yeah i i was watching like i forget who was doing it on the, the streaming of the last several weeks of of dragon quest until their game literally melted and it was unplayable <laughs> how long did that take i don't know like he, like he was playing like two to three hours every week and he was he was getting near the end game and uh it just the game just would would just start got to the point where it was crashing oh wow that's insane uh, was that was that uh was that dan's brother with the dan's brother i yeah. didn't watch the last I didn't. I didn't catch his last stream of it, so that's kind of news. Oh yeah, I didn't catch I that either. You should, you should VOD that. Video. It's kind of amusing. Okay, huh. I'll have to do that because I watched like the first, uh, however many he did, and then I missed this last one. So huh, yeah, like like the one before last, something corrupted in the game, and his name was like one byte, but it actually made things faster when it was whatever his name was mentioned in the in the text scroll but it, it just started devolving from there oh wow yeah i didn't realize that adam was having issues with the last bit of playthrough he was doing i don't i don't remember him mentioning it 
I'll have to go back and look I'll now. Check that out. Yeah. I think he tried to get it out of his head. <laughs> Probably. He, he was he was not amused. I yeah, I no I was. After, not after all that time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Putting all that time in and then having that happen. <laughs> uh well I, I guys, I think that's that's Dragon Quest. I don't I don't can't think of anything else we didn't really touch. No stir, stone left turned over. Um so I guess oh, at I this might time, give builders a, pl- a, a start. Oh. I don't know if I'll play the whole thing again, but I'll play. I wanna, I'll probably play that. Give that a start. Start another run of that just to. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a while since I played it the first time. I never got all the way through it. I'm looking forward to doing it again one of these days. Those are those are definitely ones that I need to uh, get back to. I think I played the demo for both of them and just didn't have time to hop right in when they released. Um, just due to having so many other things with the switch you, you can never play every game like it's there's just so it's not like the wii u where you're waiting like man i can't right. wait for uh, splatoon to come out so i can play that because i don't have anything else to play on there right now <laughs> um different days <laughs> it is yeah there's just a plethora uh, too many things to play um but uh at this time, we'll do a <clears throat> we'll do a quick outro, and uh, I'll let you guys just kind of talk about your works. You know, Jesse, you can talk about Nintendo Dads a little bit, and uh, Shannon, your streaming that you're wanting to start up, if you want. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, we I'm part of the Nintendo Dads. Uh, we are uh, been doing weekly podcasts for almost eight years. It'll be eight years in, I think, you know, October. So we're we're in the mid three sixties for episode numbers. So we've been pretty consistent over that time. So we we, we talk about Nintendo news and opinions from with a parenting perspective. We were all gamers growing up, and now raising the next generation of gamers. You know, we have YouTube channel, Twitch channel. We try to live stream what we can, but. Uh, Whatever we're playing, uh, Thursday nights we we uh, stream our live recordings for our episodes that we publish Fridays. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, Shane. Are you actually uh, started streaming yet, or are those just aspirations for the future? Go ahead and let us know what you want to do with that. Yeah, so uh, haven't quite started yet. Um, I'm getting there. I gotta get a gotta get a capture uh, card of some kind, but. Uh, yeah, I'm just um, hoping uh, before too long here to start doing some streaming of some maybe kind of forgotten about or not often talked about, uh, mostly probably retro games, you know, games like uh, uh, Maniac Mansion, you know, for the Nintendo or uh, or maybe some Princess Tomato, just some yeah. real oddball kind of things like that. And, uh, and kind of mix it in, hopefully, with... Uh, um, you know, stuff, whatever kind of piques my interest. Um, I'm sure once uh, once Dragon Quest Three Remake comes out, that'll be something I I'll, I'll probably want to uh, stream. Um, if the uh, Final Fantasy VI uh, Pixel Master ever comes out for Switch, or I break down and just get it on Steam, uh, that might be something I'd be interested in streaming too. So yeah, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully coming soon. But I'm around on uh, on the Nintendo Dads Discord or the Retrologic Discord or 
any of those family of uh, podcasts. So awesome! I don't know that I uh, properly did a uh, introduction of of what I do, but um, I did mention RetroLogic. I'm one of the uh, co-hosts of RetroLogic with two of my buddies, Dan and Sam, and uh, we got our start through the Nintendo Dads Discord. Um, decided to do our own podcast and I think we're in season two. So we're, I think we're getting close to 80 episodes now. Uh, it's a weekly retro podcast. We talk about, I mean, we, anything retro, uh, we do like, we like to do games, uh, in our show. Uh, the big one is prices retro where we, uh, all bring a list of retro games and we try to guess the overall price of these games in various conditions. Uh, but yeah, and I also do some first looks for the Nintendo dads on their YouTube channel as well. Uh, and hopefully this, uh, podcast will be showing up somewhere where you guys can see it regularly. Once I figure out, uh, for one title (laughs) also, uh, uh, how often it will happen. Uh, I would like to have it happen more often because this is uh, what I enjoy. Like this is the fun part of digging into everything and talking about some of these games in depth. Uh, but again, life is life and uh, time is valuable. So we'll see how much time I can put aside to to do one of these, uh, whether it be like a bi or a bi monthly or monthly. So we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. Uh, but yeah, this is it and. Uh, I'd like to thank these fine gentlemen for joining me to talk about a game that I love and uh, we'll move on to the next game for the next episode and see where it goes from there and have fun. Uh, thanks for joining me and thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks, you. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye now. <laughs>